Twitter handle at religion of woke, all one word. Come mess with me and we'll build a bioweapon. So I want the listeners to cut me a little bit of slack on this one because it's something that gets me so riled up. And then I start, you know, I start putting in hyperbole and being hyperbolic, which is similar to exaggerating, which is similar to not telling the truth. But for my whole life, you know, I could I could trust what was said in the newspapers. I could trust what was said on the cable news channels. Basically, I could trust what people in authority said. But in my opinion, after Trump got elected, uh, all those super reputable sources of information uh, started, you know, manipulating, deceiving, maybe even a little bit of lying. And uh, it gets me riled up. And so you'll hear it in this episode. So mea culpa, forgive me. So I'm listening to the Slate Political Gab Fest, uh, May 28th, I think, is when I'm talking to you. And their first segment is on the Wuhan lab leak uh, yeah, hypothesis, not a theory. Brett Weinstein will get all over your butt if you call it a theory. Anyways, anyways, so there's the lab leak hypothesis. You know, it either came from a bat and maybe a pangolin. Look up pangolin, they're cool looking. And apparently they taste good. I think maybe there's something called bat wing soup. Or maybe I'm just thinking of shark fin soup. But anyway, so they're talking about that, uh, the hype, the Wuhan hype. And so, you know, it's like, it's fine. You know, it's fine if scientists don't know, but that's not what happened. Basically, you know, scientists, the media, and, you know, Facebook and everyone else, they all got together to censor a completely reasonable hypothesis the scientists are like you know they're writing letters i think they wrote you know like here you know here's a big letter that says you ain't a real scientist if you think that it might have been a lab leak and the media is like they're writing articles where only a you know QAnon idiot would think it could ever have been a lab leak and i guess just the other day facebook took away its rule that says you can't talk about it being a lab leak. So you were completely censored on Facebook. I think YouTube, I'm sure they all did the same thing. And I ain't saying it was a lab leak. Uh, we still don't know, but I guess, you know, when this whole thing started, it was a reasonable hypothesis that needed checking, you know, which no one checked. And as time has gone on, it has just become more reasonable and more in need of checking. Okay, so the podcast has three people on there. Um, there's a woman who's just completely woke beyond redeemability. Her name's Emily Bazelon, uh, Yale Law, New York something. Not New York Times, but New York Times Weekend or something. And then the host of it's a guy named David who wasn't a woke piece of crap, but, you know, from May 20, basically the whole show from, like, May 2020 till... You know, maybe today. That's why I'm, I'm going back and checking it. I think I, che- I listened to it last week. I'm like, huh? You know, is it is it going to be total woke BS or not? You know, for for you know for a year there, it's like a new slug has been discovered. Let's look how this at how this affects systemic racism, and that would be three segments, the three segments, and that would be every week for a year. But anyways, the third person is John Dickinson, and he he like hosts one of the main. Um, political TV shows in the morning, Sunday mornings, I forget what it's called. But through that whole year, he uh, he was pretty good, you know? I mean, he got a little bit woke, but it's kind of like um, Nate Silver over at 538. Like, 
John Dickinson has he has problems lying. Like he knows too much and he doesn't like lying. So it's hard for lies to come out of his mouth. Or, you know, things that are not true that the person doesn't know that they're saying stuff that ain't true, which is really how you do the lying nowadays. But anyway, so he's coming in here and he's he's talking about it like He's like, you know, was it was it important to know if it came from a lab? And, you know, when was it important to know that kind of thing? I mean, you know, I haven't listened to the whole segment. I think, long story short, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, woke media and everyone, oh, we, you know, we all had people's best interests at heart and we're still good people. We're not a bunch of manipulating pieces of crap. But anyway, so he says, at the beginning, it wasn't that important to know if it was from a lab or whatever, because, you know, we were going to fight the virus the same either way. And I think that's wrong. If people thought this came from a Chinese lab, I think people would have been a lot more alarmed, you know? I mean, maybe Republicans would be wearing masks. I mean, we can't go back and rerun history with that change, but I think it would really, really change people's opinions on it. And then it would change their actions. I mean, it sounds a lot more threatening to me if it came from a lab. So I love you, John, but I disagree on that first point. Okay, and so the the next excuse for why it was okay for everyone in power to get together and deceive America was because, was it a lab leak by accident, or was it a bioweapon? Now, I don't remember anyone ever calling it a bioweapon. I mean, I listen to people who go counter-narrative, and I never heard any of them say bioweapon. But anyways, the reason why it was okay to deceive America is because Trump and evil Trump supporters and Republicans were going to call it a bioweapon. If you didn't stamp out the whole thing entirely, then they were going to call it a bioweapon, and then that would be terrible. I guess, you know, this is that Trump is an existential threat to America and democracy, so you pull out all the stops every time and do whatever you got to do, even if it means a... Newspaper that told the truth for 200 years has to lie about stuff. And I'll remind people here, I'm not a Trump supporter. I just hate TDS. I think Trump derangement syndrome was worse for America than Trump was. Alright, I'm kind of enjoying this thing. They're not, uh, they're not blowing smoke up my patootie entirely. So, they're like, yeah, you know, the journalists decided to deceive everyone basically for political reasons. You know, they don't say Trump derangement syndrome. But that's what it was. So that's that's the journalist's reason. But then he gives the journalists an excuse, which is that, you know, these groups of scientists, you know, wrote these like, you know, like signed on to letters. You know, like someone would write a letter, say, hey, it ain't no lab leak. And then, you know, 100 scientists would sign the paper, which is good. It just shows you scientists can't be trusted. Neither can journalists. And the scientists are reacting to the same sort of political pressure. But it's good to hear these woke people saying it. You know, it's like, you know, if I come on here and say, Fox News says the media is lying, well, obviously, who cares? You know, that's that's not a reputable source. But, uh, you know, if the super woke media is saying the media is lying, I mean, that's a lot better. I like it. I guess John Dickinson has more Trump derangement syndrome than I remember him having. Anyways, his next excuse is like, well, hey, you know, did did Trump and his buddies have good scientific evidence to back them up? You know, which would be both sidesism. It doesn't really matter because what David's about to say. But anyways, that's like, well, yeah, we did every, you know, we did a bunch of bad stuff, but so did they, you know. And two wrongs don't make a right. It doesn't mean you can do bad stuff just because the people you hate do bad stuff. 
But anyways, then David busts out with what Tom Cotton... Okay, so throughout this episode, I haven't mentioned it, but they've been talking about Tom Cotton. I think he's a senator from who knows where. And so he was one of the guys who was talking about the Wuhan stuff. And so they've been bringing him up as a boogeyman. Like, this is the guy who's saying it was a bioweapon. But so David jumps in, and he says what Tom Cotton actually said. This is good, because otherwise they're just going to be calling Tom Cotton a bunch of names, and never, <laughs> and you wouldn't know if they were right or wrong. But anyways, I guess what he said was that originally, like all the original cases, they didn't have anything to do with that wet market. And so Tom Cotton was like, that's suspicious. And I think we can all agree that is suspicious. And apparently that's true. And the other thing he said was that apparently in that Wuhan virus lab has a known history of accidents. You know, so basically, like, you can't say these two super obvious things, right? You know, you get kicked off of Facebook for saying things that are super obvious, super true. And I guess also, the Wuhan virus lab, that's the only place in China that they do that kind of work. So, you know, there's the lab, the only lab in the country, and then that hat, just by coincidence, that's the city. You know, like I say, no one knows. To this day, no one knows. But these are uh, things that should be looked into, not swept under the rug, and calling everyone who brings them up a racist, you know, saying that they're trying to, whatever, they're anti-Asian racists. Yeah, yeah, okay, that reminds me, yeah, what was the thing that they did? Like, you know, how did they kick you off of Facebook? Well, they said you're an anti-Asian racist. You know, if you said, if you wrote an article in some non-woke media thing, what do they say about you? Oh, you can be ignored, because you're just an anti-Asian racist. That was their card, right? Boy, they always use that. Play the race card, it works so good. When the only card you have is the race card, and it works every time, I mean, you're going to play it. Well, so the excuses continue. But there's a word they keep using. I guess this is to, you know, this is to exonerate the uh, media. The word is groupthink. Now, it's true they all thought the same thing, but I feel like that's a word where you're trying to, once again, deflect blame from people who should be blamed. I mean, is it groupthink when you think that you are attacking Trump and Trump supporters? And so you do it for that reason? I mean, is that groupthink? You know, you and all your friends want to attack Trump and his supporters. And is that groupthink? Doesn't seem like groupthink to me exactly. Like, you know, if all the Celtics fans hate the Los Angeles Lakers, is that groupthink? It's more like, you know, there's a group. They've all got, you know, they've got their motives and they, uh, they use it to attack the people they don't like. I don't think I'd call that groupthink. Yeah, it makes me think, what is groupthink? I think groupthink is where a group of people all have the wrong idea about something. They're wrong. But banding together to attack your enemy, that's different. That ain't groupthink. That's tribalism. Okay, there you go. They should be using the word tribalism. Okay, another thing they've been saying all along is that um, there's more evidence now. You know, it's okay for Facebook to open it up now because there's more evidence now that didn't exist before then. And so let's see what that evidence is. Okay, so the first thing is, I don't know if you remember SARS and MERS, but that was the, I think they were also types of coronavirus that caused a big, uh, you know, uproar back in the day, maybe 2005, 2010. And anyways, with these types of viruses, apparently you can look at them and then find the chain going back of like how, you know, how it comes from an animal, how it goes from an animal to possibly another animal to a person. Now, not clear on this, you know, I don't know if this is like looking at the DNA or maybe you got to go find the actual animals, but 
Anyways, usually, you just go back and you figure it out. And so on this one, they never could. And, you know, China kind of was like, okay, we got to clean up this wet market. You know, boom, and blast it down, you know, and then pressure wash the ground that it was on. And and it's not clear that that's was them trying to hide anything. But anyways, you know, can you trust China on this stuff? Well, I don't know. They weren't able to show the normal proof that you would normally find the chain of custody, I guess, of the virus from animal to person. They cut in and say, uh, it was the mayor of Wuhan, the city, who was trying to cover up the wet market, not the national Chinese people. So that's good to know. Okay, so now number two here, something that I guess it has come uh, to light more recently. Nicholas Wade, look him up. I think he discovered a lot of this stuff. Uh, Substack, that's where he's at. Anyways, it looks like in November 2019, some of the employees at the Wuhan Virology Lab uh, came down with symptoms of something that's just like coronavirus. I guess that's the two newer things that, you know, make it okay to talk about it. Uh, then they start talking about how uh, that virus lab was a gain-of-function lab. So, like, gain a function, as in, like, add a capability. And so gain of function, I guess this is how you study, you know, I think they're like trying to prevent the next coronavirus is literally what they're doing when they're doing gain of function. And the way they do this is they take animal viruses that would be deadly to humans, but humans can't get them. And then they gene modify that virus so that humans can get it. I mean, that sounds terrible. That sounds like bioweapon lab stuff. But apparently this is the only way to try and figure out how to stop the next deadly virus, you know, as long as you don't let it out yourself. But I think people knew that that lab was doing gain-of-function all along. Although Nicholas Wade, uh, Substack, he, he had some information. It was like, uh, what, Fauci and the CDC gave money to some company, which then gave money to... The Wuhan lab. And so, like, you know, they're like, people asked Fauci, like, hey, did you guys pay for this gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab? And he's like, no. And then it's like, well, you know, if you pay someone who pays someone else, did you pay the someone else? I'm not sure if that one's been entirely figured out at this point. But then David makes uh, some interesting points. Apparently, uh, smallpox and H1N1, it's a couple famous viruses, uh, they both got out of labs. Both were lab leaks at one point in time. Maybe I'll throw in some facts about smallpox at the end of this thing. Smallpox is absolutely insane. Now, these guys ain't conspiracy theorists, but this is crazy. I don't know, this sounds like something that a tinfoil hat person was saying. But there's a, uh, I, don't know if it's, I guess it's a hypothesis, that the flu that we've been having going around that ain't no good was escaped from a Russian lab in the 70s. I have to look that one up. Whatever. David's listing stuff, and I'm just telling you here. So this is his list through me. But so the next thing is, virology labs have, there's levels, one, two, three, four. And level four is like, you know, it's like, do you have to wear a space suit? Are there airlocks? Whatever. So, you know, it's how uh, secure they are. And so apparently to do gain of function, you should, with, oh, with bat viruses, you should only do that in a level four lab. But uh, the Wuhan lab apparently calls itself a level four, but they actually have level two security. 
And next, there's like a some way the virus like gets into the cells or whatever. It has like a little cutting device, I guess. And natural viruses have a certain kind of cutting device, but lab-made viruses have a different kind of cutting device. And so, like, you know, I don't know if this was known. I don't know when that, for instance, that thing was known. That sounds like something they could have known at the beginning. But anyways, I guess it's known now. Oh, yeah, now this one is definitely one that is... It wasn't there at the beginning, and then it's definitely here now, and it kind of just grew the whole time. But uh, China did a whole bunch of covering up stuff. It's like, hey, can we go interview the, these people and see if they're sick? China's like, no, nothing to see here. And just in general, I think like the WHO maybe a few months ago said, oh, it's not a lab leak. And it turned out they were barred from entering the lab. So I think this is a good example of kind of the problem with what's going on with climate change. Now, I'm not a climate change denier. Uh, whatever. I believe it's real. There you go. That's my opinion on it. But there's no way in hell... Do I think a scientist can just go do whatever study he wants on climate change, you know, and maybe show that it ain't ain't as bad as you think or, ain't, you know, whatever. Something that goes counter to the narrative. You know, if you don't, if you're a professor and you don't have tenure, well, you know, your tenure's gone. And if you're a professor who needs money to support your research, well, that's gone. And having tenure, you know, is not complete and utter protection. They have, uh, they usually have, like, personal morals clauses in there so you know if they can like say oh what you're saying is racist somehow they can get rid of you even if you have tenure but anyways there's a number of subjects like climate change and it's like if everyone was allowed to research it however they wanted and then you know and then it's like okay like you know basically if it was like 90 percent of climate scientists think it's real and 10 percent don't that would actually make me feel better I mean, right now, I think they're like, 99.9% .9 think it's real. There ain't nothing in science where people can be that certain. That's a, you know, that's a politically motivated number. It has nothing to do with the science. I mean, you know, there's, there's just a never-ending list of people doing science and getting stuff wrong. Like, the number one example of that is uh, nutrition. Every 10 years, they completely change their idea on what you should be eating. You know, it's like, fat is terrible. Oh, wait, carbs are terrible. Eggs give you, you know, eggs raise your cholesterol. Oh, wait, eggs don't do anything to your cholesterol. I mean, listen, that's, it's just endless, and it happens in all subjects of science. Like, I follow physics a lot. In physics, you know, you think like, oh, well, physics, there's no, there's no opinion about in physics. It turns out there's tons of opinion in physics. There's this thing called string theory. You probably heard of that. That's supposed to be the, you know, this is, that was going to be the, the, the answer to all the questions. This, that was going to be the final answer. And that was like the smoking hot, you know, every new physicist coming out of Harvard or Stanford was going into string theory probably about 20 years ago. And now, today, people are like, uh, looks like string theory is a total dead end. But there was a period from 20 years ago when everyone thought it was hot, the hot topic to now when everyone thinks it's dead, where there was a lot of politics in there, like, you know, if you wrote a paper, you know, like say 15 years ago, you wrote a paper like, uh, looks like string theory is a dead end. All the people who just got their PhDs and just started researching string theory are going to attack your ass. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I imagine that happens in chemistry and other stuff. And, you know, sociology to this day, every single thing they believe is false. They're like, men are the exact same as women. 
to start with. And anyway, so, you know, if you if you go like, uh, seems like men are taller, they'd be like, racist, get that guy. Anyways, and that's how you get, you get these things where 99.9% .9 of scientists all agree that whatever. And it's because it's political. You ever hear that? Just be aware. That's a political statement. That ain't what the science says, because science can never be that sure.